WNYC Studios is supported by Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial. When the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. <laughs> I sh- quite. You're been listening to Radio, radio Lab. Lab, the podcast from New York Public Radio. Public Radio WNYC and NPR. Hey, I'm Chad Abumrad, and I'm Robert Krulwich. This is Radio Lab, the podcast. Yes. Oh, that was exciting. And this particular turn of our wheel, we are going to be taking up a very odd, odd idea. Which is? Um, is it possible for a human, a man or a woman, probably a mature man or woman, we'd hope, to build their own universe? Eh? Do you mean like in theory? No, I actually, this, I'm going to, this is a, a serious proposition. Really? There are people who are now thinking about it seriously at Stanford, in Israel, in Japan, uh, theoretical physicists who are trying to figure out how one might go about this. Go about building a universe? Create a whole universe. Well, as in like a carpenter, like in a carpentorial sort of way, like here build a table? In a carpentorial sort of way. Except- no, you know why that's not possible? Why? Because... The universe is that which we are a part of. So how can you okay. build something that is that we are already a part of? That doesn't, to that doesn't begin, make sense. To begin this conversation, we do have to consider this word universe, which to most of us, as you just said, means everything that is. Everything. And therefore, by definition, there should only be one of them. Yes, of course. But for physicists like Brian Green, our friend Brian Green, who came to my kitchen so we could have this discussion, <laughs> <laughs> to physicists like him, he's very comfortable with the idea of more than one universe. And that's been the case for physicists for a while now. I don't know the first time, but the idea that there might be many universes has surprisingly cropped up in a variety of different contexts in physics. For example, Brian says. The expansion of space, the blossoming of a universe that we have called the Big Bang, was not a single event, but it's an event that happens over and over and over again. And distant and far-flung regions of our universe, other universes sprout out, have their own new Big Bangs, giving rise to a kind of cosmic bubble bath of little bubble universes, of which our universe is simply one. And then this idea of universes or multiverse is a natural word to use to describe the collection of all these bubbles, each of which, if it has inhabitants like us, would think that that is the universe. But now you see it's only one of many. And this was something that somebody thought up in 1920, 1930, 1950? Well, the inflationary theory itself was developed in the early 1980s. And this recognition that it could give rise to this many universes was developed by a number of incredibly creative physicists in the mid-80s into the 90s, and it's still studied today. So it's kind of a new idea, then. This version of it is new. But no explorer has ever ventured into one of these other universes, as best you know, right? This is simply a mental, this is a conclusion of a mental process, not of a Columbus or a Magellan kind of process. That's true. We are confined to our bubble, and we really can't get out and explore the other bubbles. So from that point of view, it is a mental exercise, but a powerful one. But you can see how hard it is for somebody who doesn't read the world through mathematics, but just reads it through his senses or her senses, that this explanation 
seems nonsensical, since you've no sensual experience of another universe, the only one you've got is staring at, at equations. That's true, but I'd say that the history of physics of the last century has taught us to strenuously challenge our perceptions, strenuously challenge the things that intuitively seem obvious. We have learned that the atom is made up of particles that can be both wave-like or particle-like, that in some sense they can be two places at once. None of us have experienced any of those things. None of those things feel right according to our intuition, but I assure you the experiments that have been done over the last 80 years have confirmed each of those crazy ideas over and over and over again. So I don't think it's a good guide to use our senses and our intuition to determine what we think is right or wrong. We have really have to follow the laws of physics and see where they take us. Okay, you with me here, Jed? I am, yes. All right, so let's say... Begrudgingly. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah I mean, no, I'm, you're I'm like here. me. You're no, 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 I'm here with you. Where else am I going to be? I'm here, here. All right. <laughs> so let's say that you can have, just in principle anyway, more than one universe. Okay. Uh, now the question is, how do you go about building one? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah. You said at the beginning we can build them ourselves. Right, so this is not, you know, anything like a act of magic or a godlike thing. This is just, as far as Brian is concerned, this is a practical albeit a kind of crazy, <laughs> a practical engineering problem. So then how would you engineer one? Well, let's get to our main subject. Well, that's what I asked Brian. The, quest- the proposition here is that not only can you have more than one of them, but that you, you an ordinary human being and some pals, can make one. Is it conceivable to you that there could be something called a man-made universe? People have studied this. And nobody's really been able to say that it's impossible. And some have even suggested hypothetical ways that you might actually do it. Well, let me, I mean, the first question I'm going to ask is how one, are there several ways to do this? One way to do this? How many, how many different paths? Well, I would say at the moment there's no one way that anybody has been convinced is really compatible with everything that we know. There are a number of suggested ways, but they all rely upon more or less the same physics. And that physics has to do with a strange feature of gravity that none of us have ever experienced, but the math shows us is true and observations of space seem to confirm. And that is that gravity can actually be not only attractive, it can only pull things together, it can also be repulsive. It can push things apart. If that were the case, then wouldn't we all be combusted? Well, the repulsive side of gravity only rears its head in very special environments. And everyday life, the Earth, the solar system, and so forth, are realms in which it doesn't rear its repulsive side strongly enough to have any effect. But we have learned that on the largest of scales, even in our universe, we believe that gravity is exerting its repulsive side, which is what's causing distant galaxies to be rushing away from us at an ever-accelerated rate. They're rushing away faster and faster. So the repulsive side, there's actually direct observational support for. What does that have to do with creating a universe, however? Because it seems to me that creating a universe, you'd want to somehow manage the thing, and repulsive side, particularly if it's a fierce repulsive force, would seem to make it be a kind of an unmanageable situation. Well, if you want a manageable way of building a universe, what you want to be able to do is build something pretty small. But a small thing's not a universe, so it has to expand. For something to expand, there's got to be some outward push. There's got to be some repulsive push. And that's where this repulsive side of gravity comes into the story. 
So I want to build something that is a seed of another universe, but inside my seed there has to be latently and then later actively some expansive thing, something that just wants to grow. Yes. Now, is there such a device? Such a seed? There are conditions which, according to the laws of general relativity, the laws that Einstein wrote down a long time ago, well-tested, those laws tell us that in this context of the right energy density carried by the right substance, you will have repulsive gravity. Which means, if you can build this little seed, this little nugget, in just the right way, it will, on its own, roughly speaking, start to expand, grow, faster and faster and faster, beginning tiny and sprouting into a gigantic universe. So I can have, you see, an expanding universe that is born in my kitchen, and I don't have to worry about my wait, dishes. Wait, wait, you're having a lot of fun here, but you've I left am. me behind a bit. What is this seed thing, anyways? Well, the exact nature of the seed thing is, is actually quite complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, just to give it a shape for you, the first thing I learned is that in order to start a universe, any universe, even our own universe, the seed has to be very, very small. Uh, you can calculate that the nugget that we believe perhaps gave rise to our universe, maybe someone created it in their apartment in some other universe, <laughs> was about roughly you know, 10 to the minus 26 centimeters across. 10 to the minus 26 centimeters, that's small. That's really, really, really small. Yeah, yeah and it wouldn't... But, and it could grow into... A, in other words, there's enough um, push inside it, repulsive force, or push out, to make it grow into a thing like we would associate with the universe, universe scales. Our universe, according to this theory, again, you know, I'm being facetious that it was created in somebody else's apartment, but who knows? But the seed of our universe, we believe from our calculations and our observations, was roughly 10 to the minus 26, 10 to the minus 27 centimeters across, weighed, you know, a few pounds, about 10 pounds. You wouldn't really think intuitively that you could build a whole universe from 10 pounds of stuff. I think you would think <laughs> that to build a whole universe, I'm talking about a universe with stars and galaxies, hundreds of billions of stars and hundreds of billions of galaxies, you'd think you'd need more than 10 pounds of this stuff. But it turns out that that's all you need because the repulsive side of gravity is so powerful that it actually injects energy from gravity itself into the expanding space. So from that point of view, all you need is the seed and then gravity takes over and does the rest of the work. Okay, Jess, so that we now know the seed has to be small. Now, the second thing that Brian told me is the seed should come in the form of what he described as a, as a black hole. The seed is a black hole. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. You said that it has to be small, but black holes are huge. But it turns out that black holes can be, they don't have to be big. They don't? No, not at all. Relative well, can you get, I mean, I, I thought that the reason we get the black holes because the star collapses, so it's a fairly gigantic beginning, and therefore it's a fairly gigantic thing. Could you get a black hole the size of a wine cup or uh, a thimble or less? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You give me any object, and if I squeeze it sufficiently small, then according to the classical laws of general relativity, if you make it small enough it will be a tiny black hole. 
Now, well, we, a grape? Can you make can you make a grape into a black hole? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> can you make a raspberry into a black hole? Can you make a blueberry into a black hole? Seriously, there's nothing that you could give me that I couldn't turn into a black hole by squeezing it sufficiently small. Would there be any example of a naturally occurring small black hole? Sure. There are processes where particles can slam into each other at, at very high energies. And the calculations show that if they slam together at sufficiently high energies in the right geometrical configuration, they can create a tiny black hole. And this is not just hypothetical. There's a new machine in Geneva, Switzerland right now called the Large Hadron Collider. And one of the things that may happen at the Large Hadron Collider is the creation of microscopic black holes in the collision between protons and protons. These will be tiny black holes, but black holes nonetheless. Wow. <laughs> this is getting kind of interesting. Um, so, okay, you've got a black hole, yeah. a tiny one, and you've, which we somehow have to impregnate with this anti-gravity force. Yeah. Uh, what other ingredients do we need? Now we need a trigger, something to trigger. turn the expansive force on so that it'll go... What's the trigger? Well, the trigger is a very, very complex... Frankly, I only kind of 80% got the trigger, and I don't want to bore you with it, but it is, it's something about a compass with only one needle or something like that. But anyway, once you... Once you <laughs> don't ask. All right. But once you've got the trigger, which you add to the a little black hole, and now you've got the expansive force lying there, you pull the trigger, and you will get... A universe of your own. Right there in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. But doesn't that worry you? I mean, wouldn't that blow up everything? It just seems that if you create one, you would be, um, you would be in danger. People have studied that issue in great detail and found that at least according to the proposals that are on the table for how in principle you might create a universe, that wouldn't be a worry. That wouldn't happen. Mm. Instead, this universe that you create would, in essence create its own space. It wouldn't encroach on your space by expanding into your domain, into your house, into your region. Instead, it would expand, like our universe does, but it would expand by creating new space, space that hadn't existed before. So it would be off on its own, if you will, creating a new bubble a new bubble universe that would be a universe in its own right. So what do we see from our side? Well, we see probably, I'm not sure because Brian isn't with me during this particular conversation, but <laughs> I think Brian would say what you, all we'd see is our little black hole on our side and something something we you know going on very large on the other side. And it's staying little on our side but getting bigger on the other side? Mm -hmm. And can we jump through it? Well, that's the interesting thing. You know, you'd need to jump in to be able to see what's going on on the other side. So if you, were, if you could make one of these, you might be able to inspect it. You'd be at a certain cost. What would be the cost? You couldn't, you couldn't come back. Oh. You, you couldn't pass through. Um, but you know, what you're creating on the other side is there. Mm. And in principle, you could go there. So, if you could make your own universe, um, you would never, ever, ever be able to come back to visit anyone mm. or anything you ever have known. Could you ever imagine... Having made a creation on this scale, could you ever imagine visiting it forever? And never going back home? Never. Well... No radio lab. No, no radio lab. That's... You know how many people would be sad, so many sad. Yeah, just a small little sliver of humanity. <laughs> They'd get over it. If you could actually do this beyond theory, I mean, I have to say, I think I might have a little trouble resisting this possibility <laughs> just because it's so curious. This idea that through your 
volitional act in your kitchen sink, you are creating a universe that would give rise perhaps to things like we see in the world around us. Really, you can think of our universe potentially as being the outcome of the hypothetical processes that we're talking about. Our universe. Speaking of which, we should say our universe, or our corner of it, is funded by the Sloan Foundation, yep. the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, yep. and the National Science Foundation. And also thank you to Brian Green, who is professor of, uh, let's see, physics and mathematics at Columbia University in New York. He's also the author of The Elegant Universe and the Fabric of the Cosmos. One day he may uh, create himself a little bit of cosmos. Is, is this probably plausible to you? It's very tough to say. I, I do consider this speculation on speculation. So I think I would stress that the reason for thinking about this is not so much to do it, but it's more to push the laws of physics to their breaking point, because that's often where we learn new things about how the world works. Till next time? Yes, two weeks. We'll see you then. Bye. Radio Lab is supported by the John Templeton Foundation funding research and catalyzing conversations that inspire people with awe and wonder. Learn about the researchers making the latest discoveries in the science of well-being, complexity, forgiveness, and free will at templeton.org slash podcast.